Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, March 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. stocks rebounded on Wednesday, a day after the Federal Reserve's emergency interest rate cut seemed to spook investors. Former 21st Century Fox chief executive James Murdoch is investing in startups fighting fake news. And the U.S. is making a move to fight off Chinese influence in one of Africa's fastest-growing economies. Plus, how do you bring the trading floor into your own home? The FT's Laura Noonan will walk us through banks' coronavirus contingency plans. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. U.S. stocks had their worst week since 2008 last week, and this week has been met with more market turbulence. Let me recap what we've seen so far. Monday, stocks were up in the biggest one-day gain in more than a year. The hope was that central banks would step in to soften the economic effects of the coronavirus. Tuesday, central banks do step in, or at least a key one does. The Federal Reserve makes an emergency cut of 50 basis points, but markets tumble. And then yesterday, Wednesday, U.S. stocks were back up again. This time, the S&P 500 rose more than 4%. Volatility is back, is the bottom line. This is one of the most dramatic periods of trading on Wall Street since the financial crisis. That's the FT's Richard Henderson. The portfolio managers I've been talking to point to the House of Representatives deal, or at least vote on a deal, to provide fiscal stimulus, i.e. support for the efforts to address the coronavirus, which I think is around $8 billion at last count. And this is encouraging. The market likes the spending, obviously. Some companies will benefit directly, but it does show that the country is addressing this as a problem that will benefit the economy and therefore the markets. But there was another thing on Wednesday that might have helped the markets go up. Definitely. This can be very clearly reflected in healthcare stocks, which had their best day since the financial crisis. They were up nearly 6%. And this is Joe Biden doing quite well, very well, really, on Tuesday evening, Super Tuesday. And the portfolio managers I've been talking to are interpreting this as the market's signal that Bernie Sanders has less chance of winning. And he obviously has been pushing for healthcare reform, which would ultimately hurt some of these healthcare stocks. And now a look at fake news and a media figure who's investing millions of dollars trying to combat it. Rupert Murdoch's youngest son, James, is investing in startups aimed at fighting false information. This comes after the younger Mr. Murdoch stepped down as chief executive of 21st Century Fox last year, after a $71 billion deal with Disney. He used his share of the family proceeds, estimated at $2 billion, to launch his holding company, Lupa Systems. Now, Lupa Systems is partnering with Betaworks, which is known for being an early investor in social media companies. They plan to invest $100,000 into each early-stage startup. The goal is to find between 10 and 20 companies to fund in the next year with the idea of fostering a, quote, more sustainable news ecosystem. So what does Mr. Murdoch's fight against fake news look like in practice? The Accelerator program, which will be called Beta Lab, will encourage startups to build software that can authenticate videos and spot disinformation. Just a few weeks ago, Mr. Murdoch criticized news outlets controlled by his father and elder brother, from Fox News to The Australian, for promoting false skepticism on climate change. And now a story about how the U.S. is responding to Chinese influence in Africa. 
Beijing has poured significant investment into almost all 54 African countries. This has come in the form of roads, railways, sports stadiums, and airports across the continent. From 2000 to 2015, China's Export-Import Bank made $63 billion worth of loans. The U.S., on the other hand, made loans of less than $2 billion in the same period. But now a new U.S. development agency has been set up and it's ready to invest $5 billion in Ethiopia. It's part of a push to support private sector reform and counter China's influence in one of Africa's fastest-growing economies. Ethiopia's finance minister, Ahmed Shide, told the FT that the U.S. funding will come in the next three to five years. But the money comes with conditions. Ethiopia has to successfully implement reform measures. These are understood to be about three things. Foreign investors' ability to hold offshore accounts, being able to repatriate foreign currency, and settling disputes under New York arbitration rules. The money would come through America's newly created International Development Finance Corporation. The U.S. wants Ethiopia's private sector to expand. The country has historically followed a state-led development model, which was partly funded by Chinese investment. And here's a story you should know more about. Workplaces around the world are putting together backup plans in case the coronavirus forces people out of the office. We have one here at the FT. If there's ever a need to be quarantined in New York, I might just be recording this podcast from my apartment for a bit. But as far as contingency plans go, banks are going to great lengths to keep business and trading running as usual. That might mean setting up bankers to work from home or sending them to disaster recovery centers, DRCs. These are sites which are meant to have the same technical capacity as the banks themselves. That's the FT's U.S. banking editor, Laura Noonan. These DRCs are in a different location from the company headquarters, but still nearby. So the idea is if you have some people in the DRC, some people in head office and some people at home, then you at least minimize the risk of everyone going out. But getting things right at DRCs and at home has been a bit of a task. Literally in the last few weeks in London and the US, they've been going out to the sites. First, so the first thing is that you send people out there to check that everything works. Turn on the lights, as one someone said to me earlier, dust off, the, dust off the cobwebs, check that we can find the building, check that our key fobs work, that kind of logistical stuff. Right, right. In more recent days, they've been sending traders to actually see, can we operationally work from here? What about technological logistics? What are some hurdles that might stand in the way of that? So the big thing, the big concern centres around broadband. So banks all have super fast broadband in their offices. It's important for all functions, but particularly important for the trading functions. So in order to connect in to your bank's mainframe, you need two things. The bank has to have the network capacity itself to to accept the VPN. Most banks say they have that in hand. I haven't heard anyone being concerned about that. The other thing you need is to have the broadband bandwidth at home that will allow you to operate efficiently. That is where the real challenge comes in. So it's most challenging for people who are actually trying to trade because there, if you're half a second slower, that can actually cost Mm. you quite a lot of money. Like every millisecond counts. And people are not going to be operationally fast from home. It's also important, though, for the others because if you think about how fast your home broadband is now, Think about how fast it would be if everyone you knew was trying to work from home on it. Right. Contention is a real thing. You just, it gets a lot slower. And the other thing that they're saying kind of jokingly is that 
if your kids are also off school, they're in the house, they're also streaming, they want to watch Netflix, you have to make the choice between keeping the kids busy and sacrificing speed to have them watch Netflix or having the kids do your head in while you're, while you're trying to work. So <laughs> these are the trade-offs people are thinking about. Yeah, and, and not only from that perspective, but you know, there are so many things that are out of your control in terms of Wi-Fi going down. You know, that happens from time to yeah. time in areas. Wi-Fi aside, also from a technological standpoint, there's the screen issues. It's not as simple as just packing up your laptop and going home and working from there. No, so if any of the listeners have been to trading floors, and I'm sure some of you have been, trading floors have beautiful screens. Like I have serious screen envy every time I go in a trading floor because you're talking like a setup of like eight beautiful wide screens all showing all the different market movements of all the things that you're following. Most people don't have that at home. So City is being very organised. They spent the last few weeks installing additional screens in people's homes that will allow them to come as close to the trading experience as possible from their homes. Apparently, this is not going down well with some of the spouses who don't want an eight-screen monstrosity in the side of their living room. I can't imagine why. I think it would be beautiful. (laughs) All right. So we've got Wi-Fi. We've got screens. Um, What other hurdles do we see here, Laura? Screens are an issue. But I think the other real issue with trading from home, and we'll be writing more about it, is the regulatory picture. So it's not clear. As things currently stand, there are some functions that have to be done in the office, on-premises. So... That's both in the US and also in the UK. And they consider the DRCs to be on-premises. They do not consider your living room to be Mm on-premises. There's also logistical issues around how quickly you have to reconcile trades and how you have to record things. Banks are saying that they really need the SEC in the US, FINRA in the US, the FCA, Bank of England in the UK, to extend a bit of flexibility on that. And they've been in talks with them on it because some of these things will not be possible to do from home. And the other issue is around the recorded phone lines and trying to monitor and restrict communication. So most trading floors have all these big signs up saying you are not allowed to use your personal cell phone on the trading floor. Mm. You must put it in a black box when you come in every morning. We'll lock it. We'll give it to you at the end of the day. That's to prevent insider trading. No one can enforce that in someone's house. So there are risks. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.